Welcome to Kickback with Chris, the martial arts podcast. Brought to you by www.mitmaster.com. Hi guys, Chris back again. Kickback with Chris, the Martial Arts Podcast is back after another bit of a break. These things happen, life, busyness. It's all positive though. Well, it's not positive if you like listening to the podcast, but so much going on, it's all positive. Good news is though, good news is, um, I'm going to have a bit of a quiet time now. The summer's coming up, so I'm going to have a little bit more time to focus on doing some awesome interviews, getting some more guests on putting out some more quality content, so yeah, I'll get that out of the way first of all, but getting on to um, the main part of this week, later on we're going to be joined by Mr. Kieran McDonald, who's going to be talking to us about his awesome book, um, concentrating on the old school taekwondo and um, application of techniques it's a really good read, actually. I'm just going to actually remember the actual proper title of the book because I should really have it in front of me, shouldn't I? Um, I'm going to get it now. Um, so it's Old School Perspectives on Taekwondo. Um, great book. Uh, I'm not going to talk about it too much now because obviously it's going to be on a little bit later on to discuss it. But um, big thanks to him, actually. He sent me a copy over. Um, and I actually got some time to read it because my own students kept pinching it to read um, because it's it's one of those books that... We don't really see much of. Um, but anyway, I'll talk about that a little bit later on. Um, also, we're going to be joined by uh, Mitmaster Matt. We've not had a chat with Matt now for about a month um, due to us all being busy and things going on. Um, so it was good to catch up with Matt. Um, there was a couple of technical hitches when we were doing it. For the first time ever in over a year, we actually had a little bit of a technical hitch with Skype. But we got through it. We got through it. The content's still great. Um, but you can have a little bit of a laugh later on at, um, at me sort of trying to figure out why things aren't working. Um, and let's get to the main point, uh, main news point, things that have been going on. Uh, Kaizen, Kaizen Martial Arts Show, last weekend. Um, firstly, I want to say a big thanks to everybody that was there that came up to me to talk about the podcast. Some of you were wearing t-shirts as well, which is, I've not got my head around yet. It's still really, really weird for me when I see people out there supporting the podcast. I know I shouldn't feel weirded out by that, but I kind of do. Um, but yeah, Joking aside, big thanks to the people that are supporting the show. Um, also, a big thanks to Lucci and the Kaizen Show for um, extending their offer to help support the show. I had a banner there. Um, I had a table out. We had free stickers because everyone likes free stuff. Um, and it was really nice. People came up to me to say you know, how much they enjoy the show. Uh, so a big thank you to Kaizen for their support. Um, the event itself. Now, you know I like to do like a quick review of the event I was there teaching at my third expo of this year and I'm just trying to think is it my third or my fourth is it the third or the fourth Kaizen my memory is horrific Luch is probably going to tell me off now for not being able to remember but that aside I would say by far the best Kaizen to date um so I, I kind of think of this one as like uh, 2018 if I can go wow I'm like 10 years behind but no 2018 plus I look at it like that. So they kind of took last year's event and then just added a little bit more spice to it and made it a little bit more. So, you know, sim very, very similar, if not identical layout to last year. Um, similar lineup instructor-wise, although there were a couple of new people there as well, which is good to see. Um, but busier, just generally, overall, it was busier from, from the get-go, right from the start. Uh, more people on the mats, 
which was a positive and I dare say a little bit of a negative in in some respects. Um, positive because it's always great to see people. Uh, supporting these events because without the support the events can't go ahead and they can't continue but a negative in that because the matted areas hadn't really increased in size there's a little bit of a squeeze at times um a bit of a running thing now with my workshop is every year we tend to get a little bit more people involved i didn't actually do a head count this year but we sort of had to well we, we got the workshop started there was like 12 people and then there was 20 people, and then there was 30 people, and then it got to a point where it just wasn't, we couldn't even stand on the mats, we just couldn't fit physically on the mats, so we sort of went for a little march inside, and we, we created like an, an area of 4.5 to, to run my workshop from, which was, it was great fun actually, really cool, and it just meant we could go for a little bit longer as well, uh, much to the annoyance I think of some of the other instructors, we just sort of took over and did our own thing for a little bit of extra time. But you know, it, it's all good. It's all good fun. Um, but the yeah, the the event itself, as I say, it was much 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 busier. The the apart from the matted areas needing to be extended, which I will actually say, Lucia has already addressed, and they've said that they're going to uh, make the, the the outside areas bigger for next year. And my own, the only other downside that I could think of was the music, which is a really, like, tiny thing, really, when you think about it. Who gives a stuff about the music that's being played? Well, not really anybody, but for me, it was just a bit intense. It was, like, the same sort of drum and bass, like, dance, techno, some, some, some all day, and, and it got in your head a little bit. So whoever the DJ is, maybe next year, mix it up. Maybe a bit of 80s, bit of 90s, bit of modern stuff. You know, mix it up a little bit. But, you know, <laughs> if that's the only criticism I can think of, then it just shows you, you know, how awesome a job these guys are doing with the events. Um, bit of a date change for next year. Uh, there's going to be a, a... I don't know if it's going to be a single day or a weekend in April. I'm sure Luke will come on soon to talk to us about it. Uh, but, yeah, I'm, I'm open to be involved. And um, it, it's great to see three martial arts expos going in the uk um my personal hope is that they can all be well supported and that it can be achieved without there being too much sort of political silliness shall we say between the events you know there's there's plenty of people to support these events um they're all at different points of different points of the country you know um and really, you would hope that they would all be able to work together to sort of increase the interest in martial arts expos as a whole, rather than fire cheap shots at each other across Facebook. That's just my personal opinion on it. But we shall see, shall we? Um, so yeah, uh, great, great event, and um, looking forward to being involved with it again next year. Hopefully, if they'll have me back. Um, also, last week, this last week gone. Um, I put up a post uh, in the Facebook group from my friends over at Art Martial Clothing, who very kindly, very kindly gave me a T-shirt to wear, uh, one of their very cool sort of pink blossom tree with the heavy bag designs. It's one of their more popular designs. Um, they're in the middle at the minute of putting together some new design ideas for their clothing range, and they put out a post. If you look up Art Martial Clothing on Facebook, Art Martial being one word, so don't separate it off. Um, so it's at Art Martial Clothing for their Facebook group. Um, they're looking for people to send in design ideas. They've actually started drawing some different ones up. Um, as well, they have given uh, all of our listeners a 10% discount code. So if you use the discount code CJ19, 
when you're checking out, then you can send te- uh, sorry save ten percent. And who doesn't like saving money? Um, and also, it is a really cool thing. So not only are you helping to support this awesome company, and you're getting a discount, but they'll also then be helping us out with some of our show co- show costs. So every one of your sales goes towards helping us a little bit. So get involved with it, guys. You know, um, a lot of people saying that they're wanting to buy stuff. Just use that code at the end, CJ19. Even if, even if you're not planning to buy yourself, but you know somebody else that is, get them to use the code because they save some money. And it helps me with my costs for the podcast going forwards. So yeah, get involved with that one, guys. So um, without any further ado, I think what we're going to do is we're going to jump straight into our interview with Kieran. Um, I hope I'm saying that right. We'll we'll find out in a few minutes, actually. I'm terrible with names. Um, but talking all things Taekwondo um, and application from patterns, and it's sure to be a very, very interesting one. Uh, and then I'll catch you on the other side where we will be going into our chat with Mittmaster Matthew Chapman. All right, guys. Cheers. Speak to you shortly. Brought to you by www.mitmaster.com. All right, guys, so joining me on the phone now, we have Mr. Kieran McDonald, who's very graciously agreed to come on just to chat a little bit about his book. How are we doing today, sir? Very well, thank you. Yourself? Great. As I said earlier on, flat out, busy, stressed out, got gradings coming up this weekend. And I've just, I've decided to uh, wait until the busiest grading of the year to completely change our admin process, um, which wasn't the smartest of ideas. But at least I know now that it works. Oh, yeah, that's good. You have to let me know what you're doing. I've got a grading this weekend as well. Yeah, well, you know, I, I've been one of those ones that's hung on for far too long to doing everything sort of paper-based. Yeah. Um, and it, it, it's, it's reached a point now where it was becoming a total headache. So we've gone totally online with everything now. It's all very futuristic and um, all that stuff. But it is worse. So biggest, we'll find out. We'll find out on Saturday and Sunday <laughs> when the students turn up. <laughs> if it works. <laughs> How about yourself? All good? Yeah, yeah it's all good. Yeah, I'm doing, I'm saying busy, 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 busy. Uh, got my own stuff going on. Um, you know, I come to a conclusion a while back that if I wanted to get anything done, I had to stop my own training for a little bit because uh, you know I'm just like a martial arts obsessive, like many people I hang around with, and so consequently, if there's any sort of spare window of time and I'm not falling apart, I fill it full of training. Yes. Yeah, I know. I know we're, we're, we're all there, but we'll touch on that a little bit later on, actually. Um, so let's go right back to the start, martial arts. How did you get on this crazy, crazy ride that is martial arts training? When did it all start? Uh, well, you know, I, I was born in 1972, so I grew up in the sort of golden era of the uh, Hong Kong film industry. Yes. And so consequently, you know, we were all watching knockoff VHS copies of... Uh, <laughs> You know, Hong Kong films, Bruce Lee, Jackie Chan, Huang Zhang Li, people like that. Yeah. So we're all flying around our bedrooms, uh, you know, flying, kicking, and what? And that sort yeah. of thing. And then, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and then finally my mum took me down to the local um, community centre and uh, enrolled me into uh, Shotokan Karate. Okay. So I did that for a bit, um, and, you know, I enjoyed that immensely uh, while I was there I wasn't the best student in the world and I, and I didn't attend for very long but of course I sort of got the bug then then obviously I went through my teenage years had that sort of hiatus of not doing anything constructive I should say <laughs> and then uh, yeah I got back into it at university and then that was it since then I, you know it's just slowly but surely it took over my life it, um, it was filling the space where it, well, it wasn't working, and then after a while, it just became 
work and so consequently yeah. now it's my spare time it's my work it's my obsession and i'm incredibly boring to talk to at dinner parties well, I know that I know that person well because that's me. <laughs> yeah, you're the other one where it goes, it's where it goes round. All, all the, you know, it's a typical thing. Everybody splits off, and all the guys end up at one end, and they're all sat there. So what do you do? Well, I'm a marine biologist, and I'm uh, chief executive of this. Side. What do you do? I teach martial arts, and they all kind of look at it and go, oh. <laughs> yeah, oh, when they don't quite know what to say after that. <laughs> I find you get the usual story. Everybody says, "Yeah, I did martial arts when I was yes, and got to a yellow belt." <laughs> That's it, and then they run out of things to say. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think there's a lot of people listening that, that that can follow this one very very well. Actually, um, yeah, I, I had a I had a, a knee surgeon just as I was just as I was going under. Um, he said to me, um, "He said, oh, don't worry. If this goes wrong, you can rely on your other job that you've got.'" And I was like, "What?" what was <laughs> And I'm like, oh, I didn't have a chance to say. <laughs> Thankfully, it was trying to be funny. But um, I remember the panic. Like, don't, no, no, <laughs> don't have another job. Um, but uh, yeah. So um, later on down that martial arts journey, the, the training journey, at what point did you decide to sort of take your attention more to it? It's been a maybe more of a serious career and, and teaching that side of things. Um, I think just when it when I got to first degree, my wife and I we was. Basically, we were, we were training five times a week. Um, we, sh we shared it as a passion. Okay. And then, um, you know, once you get to a certain stage, uh, you, you begin to sort of spread your wings a little bit. You, you love what your instructor does and what your association does, but you think maybe I've got a slightly different take on some of this stuff. Sure. You know, I, and I, I need to sort of find a little bit of wriggle room to uh, express myself, and I can't get that in the confines of uh, the, the class. So the next stage is always just start your own thing. Mm -hmm. So that's essentially what we did. We started a little club together, very small, family orientated. And then after a while, you figure that if you want to earn a living out of it, you've got to have more and more students. You've got to give up more and more time. And all of a sudden, before you know it, the job that you were doing, there isn't really room for that anymore. So it just becomes your whole life takes over. Sure, sure. So are you, um, do you... Do you teach full-time? Do you want to school full-time? I do, yeah, I do. I mean, like, you, you know, you know yourself being a martial arts instructor, once you start to teach quite a lot, there isn't yeah. really room for anything else. All the admin takes over, all the marketing takes over. And if you want to have any face time with your students and, you know, and don't want to become a dojo, then, you know, you, you've got to devote a certain amount of time to making the whole thing professional but personal yeah. at the same time. So it take, takes a lot of time. It does, yeah. It is a, a fine balancing act. And it's mm. one that, I mean, we're coming up 17 years now full-time and um it is i think i'm only just now getting a hang of it getting a grip of it properly in that uh, you know it's that balance between yeah there's a commercial side to it but you're trying to stay honest to your roots and it's you've got to find that balance in the middle it's not too extreme for the majority but the right amount of difficulty for the ones that really want that and it, it is difficult it is so difficult so if you go too far one way you know, you can end up with 12 students, which isn't going to sustain a full-time business, you know. Yeah. But then if you go the other way, then you end up, I mean, I, I did that early days. I went far too far the, the, the wrong way, which I suppose is subjective. But I, I felt it was the wrong way. Um, and we were really busy. And we, were, we were making a lot of money, but I absolutely hated it. I hated it. The whole, and this again, everyone has different opinions on this, but it felt like the constant upsells. You know, and this club and that club, and it was just too much. 
And um, anyway, we stripped that right back. We went back to basics again. And that's where we're at now. So, yeah, it yeah. Is a, it's a difficult journey. It is difficult. I agree with you. I mean, I've got a number of classes. Some of them are horrendously busy, extremely popular. We don't market for them. They're just so popular. Mm. That's to turn people away. And then, you know, it's just chaotic. Uh, and you don't feel that, you know, I mean, I, don't get me wrong. I keep the numbers around 30, 35 of lots of people helping, lots of room and stuff. You just feel really sorry for um, primary school teachers who, who have 30, 35 kids on their own. Mm. You know? And they don't have to just teach kicking and punching and allow the kids to get on with it. They've got to teach mathematics or English or something like that. So, yeah, yeah. Ab- absolutely. So at uh, what point did you decide, I want to write a book? Uh, uh, when did that enter into this, this process? Well, well, uh, well I'll tell you what. It, one of, the, one of the greatest days, it's like a double-edged sword, one of the greatest days of my life, but also one of the most terrible, was when I got my first degree in um, <laughs> Because, you know, you think you've arrived, that's it, you are the finished product at that stage, and you don't realise you're just one step on another journey. Yeah. But also, I had learned, I'd spent, I don't know, in my current uh, association, six years, but studying Taekwondo then about 10 years, studying the ITF Chang Hong patterns. So yep. I had like nine patterns and I had three Sajos already. And um, I'd spent a long time investing in those patterns. And I'd assumed that when I get the black belt, all the secrets would be revealed. <laughs> yes. In terms of what they all meant. <laughs> yes. And they didn't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I recognize that too. I've been there. I've been exactly there. Same sort of thing, you know. Um, Actually, looking back, I was talking to one of my students about this, looking back at the me at first degree back in 1999, 1998, 1999. Compared to now, just so much, so much different now. Um, yeah, maybe I was a lot fitter, probably a lot healthier back then. But I, I really didn't have a clue. <laughs> I really I was, I was competent there. I was like that kid that's just passed the driving test. Yeah. You know, King of the road. And then you just... <laughs> then you just as I did, you promptly go and crash into a concrete bin, um, you know, and that, the, the amount that I've put, you know, I've picked up and, and, and actually just through experience come to realise myself with the, with the patterns with my training, I really didn't have a clue. Um, I thought like yourself then, oh yeah, I'm going to know all the, like a Yoda moment, I'm going to have all the answers and yeah. I've got that belt and no, nah, not at all. It was literally like, that was like the start. It was like, I've actually reached the start now. This is the bit where I actually start learning. And progressing and, and, and understanding. Um, Absolutely, yeah. Absolutely. yeah. So I mean, go for it. No, I mean, I mean, I mean, just just to uh, re- reinforce that point, I had I, I made an article. I wrote an article when I first became a first degree. I took loads of photos in it uh, of of myself in various stances and postures. Mm-hmm. And I thought I just when I wrote this book, I thought I'd just reuse the same images to save a lot of time. But when I look back at them. Uh, my idea of an L stance, my idea of a walking stance, the heights of the blocks, the chambers, everything was just wrong. Yeah. Everything. Yeah. And I thought I, I thought I was a finished product then, but oh my God. It's, what, what, what a clash between reality and uh, my idea of it at that time. Yeah, and again, it's something that I found as well. For now, my experience of training in ITF technology myself was through one school. And back then, there was no internet. And so the only other experience you really had was at tournaments or if, if other students came to our school, which was very infrequent. So the way that I learned 
that's the way I felt it was. And, I, and when I left that, I mean, I went straight from um, training to, to actually working for that school full time. It was my first job. And when I left, well, actually, it was more of a sh- more of a gentle nudge. <laughs> when, I, when, I, when, I, when I moved on, I think that's the, the right way of phrasing it. And I, uh, I started training elsewhere, and I was actually training with a school. Um, I can't remember what it was based somewhere in Cheshire, I believe it was. And I, I saw the advert, and I thought, "That's what I do." And I went along, completely different. <laughs> and I spent about three months relearning everything again, nuances, little differences. What mm-hmm. turn here, a knee bend there, and uh, this blocks different here. And I was so, wow, hang on a minute. Um, and then I, that sort of continued as a bit of a general theme. <laughs> Wherever I travelled around, everybody had their own sort of flavour of I said Taekwondo. And I just wondered, is, is that something that you know you've had to consider when you've when you've been writing this, when you've been putting this together, or have you tried to sort of shelve that? No, I suspect the whole thing. I mean, the, 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 the what the book is based on the original applications of the patterns. Yeah. And so I sidestepped the whole thing of styles and sine waves and the mechanics. Uh, because the the the, um, the patterns were created long long time before the sine wave was created. Sure. So sine wave really isn't a relevance, and consequently, a lot of the stylistic tweaks that w- we see now they're in relevance as well. And a lot of the explanations that uh, the erroneous explanations that have been created relatively recently, mm. um, they they have then informed and and created new stylistic weeks sure the hands go this way because we're blocking two reverse turning kicks at the same time or whatever <laughs> yes yes you know but once you begin to look past that nonsense and look back at the original applications you can just get rid of it all yeah so i mean I, I stripped it all the way back uh, to the original forms where where they started in, in okinawa and arguably in china yeah i mean i've i've experienced it myself you know having guest instructors coming in and we're learning the forms and that they're, they're on the face of it their physical application of to respect say performance of them is absolutely impeccable mm. but then when it got down to the nitty-gritty and as you do you're inquisitive you ask questions what's this for and then they'll say oh it's this and then you go okay great and then you you know you then you go and work with somebody else and you go okay just wonder what's this and they'll go what's this and you know, that's completely different to what the other guy said <laughs> And then the best ones that I've had, you go, well, what's this? And the, the guy was like, it just is. Don't question it. It just is. Yeah. Right. Well, <laughs> I, I, hang on. <laughs> well, do you mean, you mean, so you mean to say we're just doing it because we've been told to do it? What it is is irrelevant. You just do it because that's what it is. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, I just wondered if, you know, have you come across some similar experiences or... Uh, oh, very, very without, much. Naming, without naming names, obviously... Uh, any, any examples of, like you just said, the two reverse turning kick block? I, I know what you're referring to with that one, actually, because I've read that as well. <laughs> yeah, Sangmaki. Yeah, some corkers, aren't they? There's incredible ones. Yeah, I mean, like, uh, the, the, the world of Taekwondo is full of people that um, are very loyal to the encyclopedia. Mm. And uh, consequently, they, they, the encyclopedia is very similar to a book that was created by Gichin Funakoshi. Um, in fact, pretty much everything that General Choi did was very similar to what Kinchin Funakoshi did when he first uh, started publishing works and uh, was w- shaping the form of uh, Shotokan Karate. So the book is fantastic because it gives you the heights of things and the technical 
um, aspects of uh, blocks and stuff in photographic form. Mm. Well, where it falls down is it overstretches itself a little into uh, what the applications are. Um, and those are, the, those, those are the same applications that, that we inherited from the Shotokan Karate books, and, uh, which were edited uh, at a latter date. They're not the original ones that Funakoshi wrote. The, the, the ones that we see now were edited in the 50s and 60s and taken out a lot of the important things. So, for example, um, Funakoshi was, very, was famed to have taught nine throws, the famous okay. nine throws of Funakoshi. And uh, in his early work, Karate Do Kyohan, uh, which was made in the 1930s, he included all of those nine throws, uh, explanations for what they were, how to get into them, and how to uh, conduct them all. But because they didn't fit in with the dogma of Shotokan Karate, which was basically um, a vehicle for kicking, punching, and blocking, and kumite sparring, mm -hmm. uh, the 3K system of kumite, kata, and kihon, which is line work, uh, patterns, and uh, sparring. And mm -hmm. because they didn't fit in with that mindset, they were omitted from latter works, latter translations of his book. And so then they, that then became the myth of Shotokan. There are no throws in Shotokan. There are no throws in karate. And uh, to this day, that, that perpetuates. That's a terrible myth that perpetuates. But we've inherited that from karate ourselves. So we say, you know, there aren't very many throws or uh, there are about, I don't know, three or four throws in the extended encyclopedia and, and General Che advises against using those because he says they're problematic and can be countered very easily. So it, it, it um, instills a myth in Taekwondo that Taekwondo is a distance art based mm. on kicking, blocking and punching, um, which is good. If you're attacked in that way only, but as we know, that's not the nature of real violence. Uh, the nature of real violence is that people use stealth and uh, confusion to breach distance, and then they get hold of you and hurt you. Yeah. If your training only deals with blocking and punching from a great distance, then what are you going to do when people punch you, uh, grab you, or pull your hair, or grab your garments, or start hook punching you, or you know? rugby tackle you to the floor, stuff like that. So mm. the patterns contain stuff to deal with all that because that's what the originators of karate were frightened about. Absolutely, which actually leads me on to the question that I really probably should have put to you about 10 minutes ago. <laughs> Could you just give us a brief, somebody who perhaps doesn't um, know about the book, maybe a brief, brief description in your own words, what the book is about, what, what subject it covers. Well, the, the book is, um, I mean, as I say, the, the patterns of Taekwondo, the nine um, first, the first color belt patterns, the nine uh, color belt patterns that are um, part of a system referred to as the Chang Hong tools. Mm -hmm. And they were created, uh, Chang Hong means blue cottage. And that was the pen name under which uh, General Che Hong He wrote, which yeah. is why they're not called the ITF patterns, they're called the Chang Hong patterns because they were his patterns. And uh, they are basically... The uh, Shotokan patterns that uh, General Choi was and his advisors, Nam Tehi and people like that, were studying uh, because they originally studied Shotokan under the Japanese. And um, and the latter, they studied it under the Koreans under the name of Tang Sudo. Mm -hmm. So they, um, they basically, when General Choi wanted to create his own patterns, he looked on what he had as a resource. 
which were the original Shotokan karate patterns, which were in themselves a modified version of older uh, Okinawan karate patterns. Sure. And so he chopped them all up and re-glued them all together. And he did so, um, you know, a lot of people may say when you hear that, that's heresy, you're accusing General Che of, uh, of um, plagiarism. But that's not the case because the, a lot of the, the cattle were originally longer when they were in Okinawa, and they were chopped up and re-glued back together by a man called Anko Itoso. So it's a process that's continued uh, and, and continues to happen. So what General Che did, was, which was quite clever, is he took out a lot of the repetition of the patterns. Because originally the kata were designed, uh, were, were never designed to be used as a uh, system. Uh, sure. they, they were just, um, when, you know, when karate modernized and was introduced to the school system, gouging people's eyes and pulling their hair and uh, choking them was something you couldn't teach the kids any longer. So they took it all out. So something had to fill the gap. So what they did was they introduced kata, and kata became the way of learning karate. And then we inherited that model, and that kata, or patterns, became the way of learning taekwondo. Mm. And, um, yeah, so, I um, can't remember where I was. Oh, yeah, so... Um, <laughs> Sorry, I do that as well. <laughs> so the point, the point of it was, yeah, so General Che basically, yeah, so when you pushed all these kata together, they ran out kata, by the way. That, that was the real problem. So uh, once they started teaching kata as a method of progression through the grades, that's all right if you've only got, like, uh, white belts. Yeah. But once you got first downs and second downs, you quick, quite quickly run out of kata. So Funakoshi ran off to his friend um, Mabuni Kenwa, who was the collector of kata, he collated them all, and he would teach uh, Funakoshi or Funakoshi's son another kata, and Funakoshi would bring it back, and he'd teach it again. But there was so much repetition in it, there's so much low blocks and lunge punches and middle blocks and lunge punches. So when General Chase sat down to, de to design his patterns, he was able to chop all that redundancy out and uh, keep uh, the variations. So when you go up through the patterns, a lot of the patterns have new moves and new techniques as you go up. That's not the case in Shotokan. Uh, there's an awful lot of repetition. But, um, so yeah, so uh, we became established as a system that, uh, that taught through counter, but we never taught the applications because originally the applications were taught in a two-person system. One guy would grab you, you'd do something to escape, then he, you grab him and he'd do something to escape. And it was all close quarter combat. Yeah. But once it becomes sanitized to go into the school system, uh, all that was lost. All the trapping and uh, sticking hands and um, all the ground fighting, all that just disappeared overnight. Sure. And we inherited that model. So yeah. my book basically first it establishes an historical context for us to say, you know, we don't need to fear karate. We just need to look back at it and take from it what's originally ours, because our sure. roots lay in karate. Absolutely. And we, we, we're not, the vast majority of us practicing ITF-style Taekwondo, or even WTF-style Taekwondo, are not um, Korean. And so we don't have to inherit the, the hatred of the Japanese. It's understandable that Korean people have an antithesis for Japanese, because they did some, Japanese did some horrific things to Korea, not least of which being the comfort women, during the Second World War. So inbuilt into them is a distrust and a, and a dislike of the Japanese. But that's not us. We're, we're, a, we're a Western society of um, post-enlightenment uh, thinking, critical thinking. So we, we don't have to automatically dislike the Japanese. 
Um, and, and which is the case in a lot of ITF style taekwondos. We've we, we thought, we've bred to think of karate as the enemy. Yes. Uh, well, it isn't at all. It, it's, it's, a lot, it's just a, a further part of our heredity, of our history. So we should, uh, we don't have to go and train karate, but, you know, the, there's books and resources and uh, historical documents and stuff mm. out there. That is part of our history. So all we've got to do is look at it and, and you know, embrace it. That's what, what, what I've done. I'm back to the original karate to find the applications. Further back than, than Japanese karate, because Japanese karate, um, what we call traditional karate, is really modern karate and was developed on the Japanese mainland in the 1930s and 40s. Um, so we need to go, if we want to look at the applications, we need to go further back than that. But that's essentially what I've done. I, I did a bit of traveling. I trained in various different arts. Um, and then uh, I met a man called uh, Patrick McCarthy. And he'd done the same journey as me, but he'd uh, spent 30 years doing it. Uh, he'd lived in Japan. He'd translated historical works. He'd spoken to all the families of the old masters. He'd studied under many of them in Okinawa. And he basically collected and systematized all the applications. Wow. So meeting him and studying under him, acquiring a black belt in his art, and then acquiring a teaching qualification, I was able to set up uh, a school under him okay. uh, based on the applications of old school karate. And then I was able to see from doing that where the overlap is with the uh, Chang Hong patterns. So then instead of, because um, uh, 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 one of the, problems with uh, application work in, in Taekwondo is a lot of people stand in a room with their friend and try and work out what the patterns are. Yes, been there. <laughs> yeah. But that only works if you have a broad range of uh, grappling-based systems. If you don't, if you come from a kick, block and punch art, you're going to see things through that perspective. It's very difficult for you to do otherwise unless you, know, you, you have the background and the understanding of all the techniques. So it wasn't until I had a fundamental understanding of uh, old school karate and its grappling based system that I was able to look at the Chang Hong patterns and say, do you know what? I know what that is. I've seen that. I've trained that. And now I can help people understand. So the book is basically a way of helping other people understand Chang Hong tools without them having to go through the same journey that I went on or the same journey that Patrick McCarthy went on. Brilliant. I mean, when, when the book arrived, we were looking through it in the gym, there was a couple of our assistants, and we were all stood around it for ages, going, oh, look, that's what that, and we were trying it out, and having a look at the go, see if we can get it to work, and it was, it was, it was really good in that, in that sense, in that experience. I just wondered, I was, I was going to ask, obviously, you, you answered the question, part. when you were putting this together, did you go through, did you go through them in chronological order as they laid out, as we would practice them, or was it a case of, you know, you, you put something down, and then, Go, go on through something else and actually go back and revisit that form again and maybe change things or what was the process? How did you put, it, put everything together? Well, it was difficult um, because there's so much material and, and a book's quite small. So once you start taking photos and writing explanations for us, you, you use up quite a lot of the white space very quickly. Mm. Um, what I wanted to do was really work more on principles than uh, individual kata okay. or individual patterns. So, which is why I chopped the book up into three sections. The first sure. section is the historical comparison and establishing um, a context from, from an, uh, through which to say, I understand this stuff now, yeah. and I'm going to look at it through this perspective, 
and and if you can agree with me on on, uh, on what I say uh, and what I'm purporting, uh, and here's the history to back me up, then we're going to start to analyse the two main uh, streams of uh, two main elements of Taekwondo that I, I find very confusing, but are fundamental for our understanding of it. And and those two were blocking and stances. Mm. So I feel that once you understand that the blocks and the stances are more than we're actually given, then you can begin to explore the rest of it as well and, and fill in more of the uh, other missing parts. So, uh, so yeah, so that was, uh, it, I had to, once I'd established the structure of the book, then I was able to sort of go back and pick exemplary techniques or exemplary templates um, that would sort of, you know, <clears throat> exhibit what I was trying to say. Sure. So was there any, I, I just, this is my own curiosity here, were there any elements, any sections of any of the forms that proved particularly difficult to sort of track down the application for or that you've just, you couldn't quite maybe yes. put your finger on? Oh, definitely, <clears throat> definitely. I mean, it was much, it, 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 it's like um, mushrooms, you know, if, if you, uh, when you start, um, if you start foraging for mushrooms, for example, yeah. get a load of books, you go out into the woods, uh, you, you identify some mushrooms, oh, I know what that one is, I know what that one is, but I don't know what that one is, I don't know what that one is. So you start collecting mushrooms, bringing them back, going through the books, trying to find out whether they're edible or not. Um, but there are so many mushrooms in existence that many of them don't even have names, don't even have a common or Latin name. You will never be able to identify them all. So that's not the way to do it. The way to do it is to identify the ones you actually know first, or the ones you're trying to eat first, because there aren't that many you can actually eat. So you identify those, and that's a relatively small group, and then you can work on from there, right? Sure. It's the same with these applications. The vast majority of applications are impossible to work out, and that's because they've been reconfigured. And uh, so, say for example, um, you put your hand out in a straight uh, punch, yeah. um, and many people say, "Well, a punch is a punch is a punch," right? And they are right to an extent. Um, if if that is indeed what you're doing, punch, then fair enough. But extending your arm in a, out straight with some weight or uh, body mechanics behind it. Uh, there are a multitude of possibilities that you can use that same thing for. But what tells you what that is are the moves that come before it and the moves that come after it. Sure. So, uh, but quite a lot of the time in ITF Taekwondo, they've chopped out bits. So you, you won't be able to tell what that was. Uh, mm. And you can't trace that back because once the bits are missing, um, it's really two or three moves put together that you're able to identify. So that's basically what I what I confine myself to. Instead of individual techniques, I'm looking at two or three moves put together in what we call as a template, like front snap kick, double punch, or um, low block, rising block. You know, and then you're able to see what that is and where it occurs over and over again, and sometimes with the moves that precede it or uh, succeed it. Mm -hmm. Um, but but yeah, yeah, I mean, identifying whole kata in uh, or whole um, patterns in ITF style taekwondo is very very difficult to do. Uh, and I would I would say that anybody who says that they know what all the applications are for the uh, the patterns are either deluded or lying. It's it's just not possible. I mean, I, there is one I, in all my study of doing this, which is what well over ten years, I've only managed to complete one pattern. And that's right. um, Jungan Talk, which I produced okay. in a download form. 
And that's only because it's a short pattern and the templates are quite easy to deceive. I mean, sure. But uh, yeah, it's, it's a work in progress, I would say. Well, well, room for a book two and a three, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So um, that's actually half an hour has flown by, and I could keep talking about this forever, to be honest. Um, where and how can people get hold of you uh, or to buy the book? What's their best options? Well, the book's available on Amazon, but it's always best to get it off my website, uh, which is Old School Perspectives um, or OS perspectives.co.uk but I'm on Facebook you can find me on Facebook as well Um, or you can just email me directly and I'll send send them out to you like that Excellent, so yeah for those that are interested in looking it up and maybe got phones in their hand now, we'll be looking for uh, it's listed as Old School Perspectives on Taekwondo Uh, Applications, explanations and explicit I get it right Did I say that in the right order? Oh yeah, that's right That's the one Uh-huh. But yeah, um, it is actually, guys, it's very good. It's, um, I was having a little joke with my students yesterday in class. I said, I, I class books in um, different different ways to most people. It's my slightly weird brain. And this is classed as, um, this is a substantial book. This is the sort of book that if it falls off your shelf and lands on your head, it'll hurt. That's how I, <laughs> that's how I classify my books. Um, and that, So this is one of those type of books. It's a good, solid book, a proper book. Um, and full of very, very interesting content, one that you can revisit time and time again. And one of those books that I, I, I it's, um, again, and thank you for sending it, it's going to sit, it's actually been, I, when, it, when, I, when it first arrived, um, I was going to read it in my own time at home, but it arrived and I put it in my car and it came straight to class and it's been at the front of the school ever since. And we keep picking it up and putting it down and practicing from it and putting it back and picking it up. And it, it's, that's why when, actually joking aside, when you came on, I went, oh, I left it downstairs in my studios upstairs in my, in my school. It was downstairs still from last night's classes. <laughs> where we were all picking it up and, and having a go and, and trying things and um, yeah it's, it, and it's great because it, you know somebody whether you're a beginner or somebody like myself that's been doing it for as long as you can remember it, it allows you to revisit those forms and, and look at them with fresh eyes um, yeah I'll tell you what then Chris I'll have to send you a copy of my DVD on June Gun you'll like that excellent excellent I'm always up for having a good good learning experience and uh this is this definitely fills those gaps that I felt existed for a, a long time. Um, yeah, I know for many of these forms are a means to keep fit, and which is great. Um, but like myself, I, I like to know why. I like to question, and this is this is definitely helping with, with that. So if you're the same out there and you wanted to know why, get on Amazon, get on Facebook, look at this book, and uh, all the very best of it. I've seen I've seen you've got you've got quite a few to sell. I've seen some photos of those boxes. <laughs> I have, yeah, good workouts moving them it was. I could imagine, but no, I'm sure you will. I'm sure you will. Um, very positive stuff. Well, thank you for your time today, sir. Thank you, Chris. And um, I'm sure we'll speak again soon. Take one. You're listening to Kickback with Chris, the martial arts podcast, brought to you by www.onlinekicking.co.uk. So a big thanks to Karen for his time. Um, as I say, it's a topic that I could probably talk about for ages um, <laughs> with the risk of boring some people. But it's one of those cool subjects, whereas even sort of the non-taekwondo practitioners can appreciate because, you know, um, a lot of the more traditional um, stand-up forms have, or should I say stand-up systems, they have these traditional elements to them and then they can prove tricky sometimes to decipher. Um, so, you know, even coming at it from the perspective of somebody training a different art, there's still things to be gleaned, there's still things to be, you know, to be worked out and learned from. So if it's something that you're interested in learning more about, I would recommend, I say I, I, 
Karen very very kindly sent the book for me to have a little look over first before the interview, and it is it is a good it is a good read. Um, so uh, moving on, couple of couple of quick things before we go on to our um, chat with uh, Matthew Chapman. Um, the, just just a quick bit of admin, I suppose. I've had a couple of instances this last um, month or two of people um, sending me messages for inclusion with the podcast, and you know I think. And I, and I, I kind of get this to a certain degree because I think some people know me exclusively for the podcasting. But the thing as well is some people will know me in my own school exclusively as, as Chris, the martial arts instructor for the school. And then some people will know me as Chris, the fight performer for, for the film work. And some will know me as Chris, the guy who runs the online training courses. And so these these are all sort of poles in different directions. And I've had a couple of people over the last couple of months, rightly or wrongly, have messaged me um, to ask for inclusion for their products or for their ideas in the podcast. And I've not maybe gotten back to them straight away, sort of in you know two or three days, for no real other reason than my inbox gets absolutely slammed. Um, and I miss things sometimes. So, you know, if I don't get back to you, Please don't send me grumpy messages asking why I've ignored you or anything. It's not that at all. Um, it is, you know, ninety-nine percent of the time, it's just simply that I've got so much other stuff going on and I've missed your message. And there are occasions where, you know, I won't realise until weeks later I'll be scrolling back through looking for something else and I'll realise there's a, actually an unread message. Um, and you know, I'm in the process of actually sort of breaking my inboxes down into different categories through like pages and groups as i'm sure some of you have seen but what i would just ask is guys you know if you're gonna if you're gonna send me a message asking about you know product placement or you know the possibility of an interview for the podcast if i don't reply to you in 24 48 hours don't send me a grumpy message asking why or or accusing me of ignoring you it's not the case at all it is just that i'm busy so anyway now that that's dealt with, um, we're going to go straight into our uh, Matt Chat section now, talking with Matt Chapman um, this week, discussing preparation for September, which whether you're a big school or whether you're a, a, a smaller school, something that you definitely need to be considering. Um, and then I'll catch you on the other side. You're listening to Kickback with Chris, the martial arts podcast, brought to you by www.onlinekicking.co.uk. So it's time... Matt, join us on the show. How are we doing today, sir? I'm okay, thank you. Good. It's nice and sunny uh, everywhere in the UK, I believe. So it should <laughs> be sunny where you are. Always got to start with a weather report. Yeah, it's, oh, we're British. This is what we do. It is actually sunny here as well. So yeah, lovely, got, lovely. We're sharing a dual weather thing for for once, um, <laughs> for the first time ever. Yeah. Yep. So um, as I was discussing earlier in the show, this weekend. Sorry, that's my phone. Such a professional. Um, earlier, <laughs> earlier this episode, I was talking about last weekend, and we had the Kaizen show, um, which you were at as well. Indeed, yeah. And um, I, personally, I felt it was of the shows that they've done so far, by far the best one. I think it was your first one, was it not? It was my first one, yeah. So, what was what was uh, special about this one? Do you think? Um, well, you know, I think they've just learned from experience and yeah. sort of slowly tweaked things. And um, you know, made things a little bit better in different places. But I think, if if anything, it was probably just the, the sort of natural growth of the event. Um, and it's it's sort of like a, it's almost like a kaizen community now, uh, yeah. As opposed to anything else, a lot of the other shows, 
you kind of have um, different people all the time. But with this one, I've noticed it's the same people plus more. Yeah, um, cool. And it's, it's it's kind of like a yeah, like a like almost like a community vibe to it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah, it was. I, I really I really enjoyed it this year. Not that I've not in previous years, but more more so this year, I think. Yeah, I, I I thought it was really really good. I had a good time. Everyone was uh, open minded, friendly, chatty. You know, people running up to have a chat. The seminars worked well, didn't they? Yeah. Um, that we did. Yeah, yeah, yep, definitely. Um, you know, as I, I mentioned, oh hello, hello. You got a phone call now. I'm still here. <laughs> have you hello? gone? Have you gone? <laughs> Yeah, I had a really good time uh, at Kaizen. The workshops were really good. Um, lots of fun drills and training. Got to see some kickboxing, some self-defense work, some of the Mittmaster stuff. You did a, a cool session on kicking. Zara's doing stunts. It was like packed for like um, training workshops, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. It, it was. Um, you know, it was nice. That obviously the the thing that they suffer with a little bit, which they have in the past, obviously the areas are a little bit restricted size wise. <laughs> yes. um, yeah. So you know, some of, I I had to get a little bit creative. I know some other people did as well, but no, it's all part of it, you know. Um, which is, but the thing is, you know, what I like about that show is, you know, we had a we had a bit of a problem, so we just fixed it. You know, we we didn't have to go through. It's like ten pe- ten person chain of command. <laughs> it's just like okay, yeah. this is the problem. Let's solve it. Let's go over there. Let's do it. And you know. It, it's it's good in that respect so it's all good i'm sure i'm sure the i know luchi's already said about it, they're gonna extend the mats for next year so oh okay that's all good already yeah because uh the, the, the couple of massive areas in the hall and then the the main event um sort of or well, the main outdoor courtyard bit they, they were a bit tight weren't they yeah they were they were but i know Especially yeah i know what planning you were planning to do yes um and yeah, if if we'd <laughs> if we'd have gone ahead and done it on that area, would have had to turn about two thirds of the people away. Um, yes, and that wouldn't have been great. So yeah, it's, it's all good though. We fixed it, we sorted it. Um, but no, your your session looked great fun as always. Um, Thank you very much. Watch it and lots of awesome pad work going off as as always. And uh, I think I think it's been positive all around. I, I've not actually heard a, a negative word from anybody. So no, um, and I'm kind of uh, getting back into the old exhibitions and things like that, and going yeah. to these events because uh, I, I went to Seni obviously a few times when it was running, and then I kind of stopped. And uh, I don't know why, but yeah, I, I like going to them. It's really nice. Get to hang around, nice social event. Get to see people we haven't seen in a long time. Catch up. So yeah, I'm going to be doing more. I think. Excellent, excellent. Seni, God, we're showing our age there. That's, yeah, uh, that was a long time ago, right? Dark ages. That's like that's like before the internet. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Word of mouth only. Yeah, but I think actually, though, in that respect, because of that, uh, I think that was a played a big part in why those those earlier shows were so big. Yeah, because there was a little right. bit of mysticism. You know, there was a magazine advert, and that was about as much as as much as you saw really wasn't it um yeah and they were massive shows weren't oh, they? oh yeah they were, they were huge they were huge and i think to be fair you know i know i talked about this other week with the southwest show that we were both at as well i think that has the potential over time to, be, yeah, to, to maybe build to that scale because that that venue was just yeah it was just, great wasn't it yeah it was, it was perfect it was perfect yeah. so um well we'll 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 see so um a couple of, i say a couple of weeks ago it's more like four weeks ago now <laughs> uh, we were talking about the summer holidays and i think actually myself i've actually got our three-day summer camp 
sorted out now. It's all good. put in place and ready to go. Staff, good, good, good. staff in place as well, because I don't want to do it. Um, so, <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, um, that's the truth of it. But, but, no, but the cool thing is the kids want to do it. The parents yes. want the kids to do it. I kind of want them to do it, but I don't want to have to do it. So, yes. you know, I've got a, a new staff member that's really keen to work as much as possible. Um, they've never done one before, so I don't think they're sort of tainted with the... And the, my question is, how old are they? How old are they? The staff member? Yeah. Um, they're, they're teenagers, so they're, they're super keen. They've just finished school. So, exactly, yeah. yeah. They won't have a problem with it. They've got the spare energy. Yeah, absolutely. They've literally just come out of, the, out of school, so yeah. uh, it's their first job. So yeah. I, you know, and they're dead keen. They're here all the time training anyway. Um, yeah. And I kind of see it was like I was when I first. I was the same sort of thing. I came straight out of the education system, straight into this as a job. That's pretty um, cool. And so I kind of see a lot of myself in them. Um, and they're, they're they're super keen, and the kids like them. They they can relate to them as well because you know they they can sort of see themselves in them. Whereas with me, I'm just the old guy. <laughs> you know, like, telling I'm, what to do yeah i'm just the old grumpy guy who's in charge you know i think i think they find it hard to um, yeah of course yeah me at more than three times their age yeah um, you know, with him he's close to their age but yeah it, uh, all that side yeah it's it's good to have it all um all arranged but i think it's fair to say that most full-time school owners um are turning their attention now to september which is you know possibly along with january one of our busiest times of the year for new starters. Yeah, I think, well, it, the school owners I've talked to are either coasting now. <laughs> they're, <laughs> just, they're just coasting to September because they know anyone they're going to lose over summer is going to be replaced in September. Yep. Or the ones that really want to build and are hungry are, are pushing now. They're starting to plan out their September marketing. They're starting to put the feelers out and speak to the schools ahead of time before, you know, the holidays. They're um, starting to work on the promotions that they're going to be doing. They're pushing, pushing, pushing. So it's kind of like you've got two choices, really, haven't you? You can just take, literally almost take the summer off. And, you know, a lot of schools change their timetable in summer. They reduce their timetables, which is fair enough because not so many people are in and it, it makes for better classes if you can condense everyone in the same classes. Um, and, you know, they have summer camps going, but they're not really pushing recruiting students into their classes necessarily. They're more kind of running summer camps and that type of thing. All the other option is to, you know, push hard during the summer, see if you can recruit plan your september blitz get that all structured up on a wall chart all planned out exactly what you're doing and when and yeah hit september hard yeah i mean i'm um this time uh, this year for the first time i'm actually going to be planning some open days through the holidays um mm. well, i mean yeah, not, i mean we're, i'm here i mean i'm here anyway um so i I've, the way i figured it is with, with all the local on the local um community facebook groups which most times have them where usually just people ask when does asda open or (laughs) post post rc reviews of takeaways that's usually about as much as you get on those yeah but um i'm gonna read them and and basically just put on there we got you know got an open day we'll be open from 10 a.m till sort of 4 p.m yeah, um, come along, see the build, have a look in the building, and ask questions. So, would you? I used to do open days as well, and I used to um, allow people to book ten minute um, taster sessions. Do you do that? 
haven't done that before, but it's not something that I'm against the idea of at all. I mean, in the past, the, the open days that we've run, we've done them in two ways. One, one, one way we've literally, basically all we've done is we've told them that we're here. Um, yeah, they rock up we, if they want to. Yeah, we are anyway. We're here. You know, I'm here anyway. So anytime anybody could walk in and inquire, but just by saying, hey, hey, we're here. Yeah. Um, come along on this day. And then they kind of go, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, the idea of doing the 10 minute little semi taster sessions is people have to register for that, yeah. which means you get their contact information yeah, and it shows that they're extra keen mm. Mm. rather than just bringing the kids down because they're bored. <laughs> They've got the videos to do yeah. for a couple of hours. Let's go and have a look around the martial arts center. Yeah. So you might want to consider doing that because you can get like 10, 15 people. I used to get 10, 15 people each time we did it. They book in for a little 10 minute taster. Get one of your juniors to take them through like a front kick and a jab cross or something, a little fun game. Yeah. And then book them in for a trial of that of that later on. Yeah, yeah. I mean, something that we've never done before that I was mm. considering doing for September to mm. tie in with the back to school is actually running pay trials for kids. Yeah, um, interesting. Because we've never done it before. We've we we swapped to pay trials for adults about two years ago and we've never looked back. We've we've kept that in place. Yeah. Um uh, but we've we still at the minute run our free trial um with the discounted sign up on class one if they do it on the spot. Yeah. Uh, which a lot of people use to great success. But yeah. over the last sort of I don't know, it's 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 sort of increasing over the the last sort of three or four years the amount of people that were having book and then not show is increasing more and more. And I think it's because now that we're using Facebook more, I I was about to say that. Yeah. Literally my next words were it's because you're using Facebook advertising. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, People are just, it's a throwaway thing. It's like, Oh, I booked it on Facebook. It's not real. Yeah. Um, And you know, they're asking 6,000 questions and then you book them in and then they don't turn up. And then when you say, oh, sorry, you didn't turn up. Do you want to read? Don't even acknowledge you exist. And, <laughs> and it's, which, you know, for, for a big school, I don't, you know, it's not such, so much of a problem, I would imagine. But for us, for where we are now, I don't like to have any more than three new starters in, on, in, a, in, a, in an evening in a class. Yeah. Yeah. Because we don't have the space, the capacity to deal with the parents in reception without it being a little bit close and everybody else's ear, we're getting like listening in. So, you know, two, maybe three at a time. And if two don't show, and I've turned two others away. I'm a yeah. Bit, I, uh. So the way I saw it is if I do a paid trial system, the ones that actually genuinely do want to do it will take advantage of whatever special offer that we do for the trial. Um, and it will maybe hopefully filter out some of the time wasters. So I like it. It's a very good idea. I think paid trials are definitely the way to go aren't they because it just removes all the time wasters and the tire kickers and the people aren't really um that serious about it but i think you're right with the facebook thing it's uh like you say it's a throwaway thing oh yeah one night when you're feeling a bit energetic you think oh yeah i'll do kickboxing and i'll sign up here and then a couple of days later you're like oh why did i do that (laughs) i'm not gonna go to that so i think that is a bit of a problem which is why the people you get off google for example tend to be a bit more um, keen because they've actually gone and searched for what you're interesting. advertising. Interesting. So with the Facebook approach, because obviously we've paid to show up on their feed whilst they're scrolling, Yes, those leads are a lot weaker than the people that have gone I want to do kickboxing for my Jimmy. Yes. And searched, right. Okay, yeah. I see. Uh, well, in my opinion, and that's what, that's what the experience I've had in my 
in my school is the and the leads I get from so in quality of leads let's talk quality of leads the best quality type of lead is a referral from someone you know who's recommended you that's that's done that's easy you just teach them a really good class and they'll sign up okay. then next best I find is people who've come off uh, Google because they're actually actually searching and gone to the website and had a little look around and then bothered to get in contact so they were looking for it and then yeah last is uh, Facebook YouTube and all the other social media sites sadly because you have to you, you just have to spend a bit more time warming them up building rapport and getting them in a state of mind to turn up and actually try the class yeah not to yeah. say it doesn't work it works amazingly but um it, 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 you will yeah you will tend to get more dropouts the only other way of doing it chris is to do like a six-week intro to kickboxing course for the kids and for the adults so that they sign up to a six-week course um which has a higher value so you'll be able to charge more than an intro sort of class and it's much more likely that they're going to show up to this because they've invested more money into yeah. the the trial essentially yeah yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, we the the conversion rate, the success rate we have with the adult trials, pay trials is is way higher because yeah, you know they what I've done. I mean, I know people do it in different ways, but with the pay trials, what I did was I just mirrored the actual monthly cost. No, oh, right, okay. I didn't even do a reduction on it. I just said, well, this is what it costs, um, and then put it out, and I thought I'll see what happens. And then it was really interesting because people were they were booking on it um and they were coming along and they were doing it and then sort of two weeks in oh so how much does it cost after we've we've we finished this and i just go it's always the same is it oh really uh, so yeah. what i actually did at that point is i put the price up really it should be more <laughs> right so um yeah i just did the and uh, obviously we offered the trial on the basis that you know um that just pay that one cash payment or that one on that one card payment. Yeah. I mean, and in reality, the truth of it is, is if they do join the the full program, they're only ever committed to a month anyway, because it's a month to month direct debit. So yeah, they're not locked in anyway. I just think it's the whole. They're in their head. It's a trial, you know. Um, yes. I don't have them buy any kits or any belts or anything either. So they just turn up in their own clothes. Yeah. They train in, and I think they sort of dip the toe. Seems to be working, so I thought, well, we'll give it a go with the kids. Give it a go with the kids. Why not? Um, and have you uh, have you planned out your September attack plan? Uh, well, this is one of the things that we want to do. So, obviously, um, the first stage of this is the uh, open days through the holidays, just to yeah, sort of nice. keep things ticking over, so people know that summer we're still camp here. as well with offers. Yeah, yep, summer camps go in as well. Um, and then, um, uh, and something that I haven't done for a very long time is work with the schools um, right. it's not that i've it's not that i don't think it works i think it does work really well but the problem with that is for us personally is it works too well and then we end up with too many inquiries we can't put anywhere right. and that that's our problem that's that's you know the, the the reality of it is is i i need to move as quickly as possible but that quickly as possible is determined by a lot of factors. One in one is the fact that we've got four years left on our lease. So, yeah. <laughs> so not that quickly then. Yeah. Um, but I mean, that said, that said, I mean, not school owners out there, you know, your lease is only as tight as um, the negotiating skills that you and your 
um, solicitor have and your landlords open to suggestions. So you know yeah. it's not it's not impossible that we could um, no we could we could move. So uh, who knows? We'll mm. see. see. Um, so like for your September plan, what I used to do is. 80 20 on my marketing so i'd focus on the 20 percent of marketing that bought me 80 percent of my results and then okay. plan everything out on a wall planner for sort of august september october november december january february march and just get it all planned out so that every week when i sat down for my wall plan i'm like oh i'm doing this today i'm doing that tomorrow and then track everything and see what works for next year okay that's cool. It's just a, an easy way of doing it. Wall plan is quite visual. It's quite nice to see a whole, you know, six months marketing plan up on the wall. You can just check it out and just go, yeah, that looks solid. It, it gives you confidence. Yeah, it does. And, it, and, it, and it's not to say you can't change it. Yeah, you know? exactly. Um, yeah. At least it means you've got something in there. Yes. I think a lot of the times, uh, if you know, not all school owners, but a lot of us are reactive. Yeah. Know, we go, oh, crap, I've lost 20 members. Yeah, better do something about that. Yeah, which is the, the, the wrong way around, completely the wrong way around. And um, it took me a long time to get out of that way of thinking, a long time. Uh, and now that now that I have, I find it much easier to manage the numbers because you're going to, you know, you can be the best instructor in the world and you're going to lose students. You are, yeah. Um, and, you know, some of these things can be avoided, you know. Yeah. illness injury change of work divorce you know um moving to another area uh all these things you know you, you know doesn't matter how great a lesson you teach if a person moves 45 minutes away they're not going to come and train at your school mm. yeah so you've got to factor these things in and yeah and just work your butt off but it's inconsistent marketing that does most schools in like you say, they lose 20 students, they panic, they do a massive marketing blitz, they're not really tracking anything, they get 35 students back in, yay! Then they stop marketing, yeah. <laughs> then they lose the 20 again, two months later, panic. So it's this kind of boom-bust way of marketing which uh, screws you in the long run. It's very stressful as well as a school owner because you're never, you're not really always making consistent progress. It's always like, the highs of the highs or the lows of the lows it's it's stressful and it burns you out it's better to have consistent marketing that you run so you know pretty much how many students are going to be in your school at any time yeah and it's not having the fear of spending investing in it as well a lot of people yeah. you know um whenever we have we know for the for the last paid the adults paid trial um that i did um what i did was took the amount for a an enrollment fee for one student and spent that on the advertising yes exactly because i knew i was going to get at least one yes so you know if they came for one month and then quit then i've not lost any money but the reality mm -hmm. of it is is they're going to stay f most of the adults will stay for at least a year right um, generally speaking on average with us it's as it, for us it's as and when they hit the second stage when they move up to the intermediate group and they start sparring and right. Um, right. they, that's that's usually when they start getting a little bit wobbly um, right. but we tend to keep for the first nine to 12 months we tend to be rock solid with retention for adults um, excellent which is which is nice you know but um that that being said it means that if we get like any of these paid trials when we do them occasionally uh, we um i'll straight away just go okay that's that's put that amount straight on the advert and you get you get people commenting within the same day when you book in so it's 
Oh yeah, it it, it works. Um, but you should also have the consistent marketing of your website's ranking yeah. multiple places on the first page of Google, which will bring you in ten to fifteen inquiries a month. Um, you should also have you know your VIP passes going out. You should also have your school talks booked in. You should also have your uh, referral program with a reward running every sort of two months. These things should be consistent. And then when you bang out an excellent, well-thought-out, well-structured Facebook ad to the right market, you yeah, you can bring in an extra 10, 20, 30 people off the back of that. Um, but all the other stuff doesn't cost much money. Absolutely. The Google stuff, the VIP passes, the referral scheme, it doesn't actually cost you any money, so that should be done consistently because it's not cost you anything. Mm. And then, like you say, you take uh, the money that you would charge maybe £99 for an eight-week kickboxing course and you um, put that into marketing it because yep. you know you're going to get one yep. straight back. Yep, absolutely. Absolutely. And um, that, that took me a little bit of getting used to, I'll be honest. Yeah. But then I got used to it. And um, Well, we're tight martial arts instructors. We don't like forking money out for stuff. Not at all. <laughs> and if we can avoid it. <laughs> especially on advertising that we're not sure will work. But here's the thing with marketing. Uh, Nick James said something really cool the other day. I was at a seminar of his. He said, um, your marketing budget is the amount of money you're willing to lose to learn something. Okay. So instead of thinking your marketing budget being like a return that you're going to get the money back, he considers it as a sort of investment and a learning experience so he can put a certain amount out and learn oh, that didn't work, I need to do this, or that worked quite well, I can do more of that. So consider your marketing budget like a an educational budget. You learn stuff from it, hopefully. Cool. That's uh, yeah. I like that. I like that. Well, definitely some food for thought there. So um, you got a, a steady end to your week, or you've flat out busy? Uh, I'm going up to Liverpool tomorrow to do a done in a day and teaching a seminar as well in Liverpool. Very and cool. And then back, and then it's... Pretty chilled out weekend, really. So, yeah, not too bad for me. Excellent. Well, have a good good time in Liverpool. Thank um, you. If that's possible. No, I'm, I'm just <laughs> oh, kidding. Oh, you just lost lots of time. I'm just kidding. What, <laughs> One do, they, do, do they have the internet in Liverpool yet? <laughs> now he's gone as well. <laughs> they know I'm just kidding. It's all good. It's all good. But um, yeah, okay. Well, have a have a good one, and uh, we'll you. catch up. All being well, actually, next week, not in four That'd weeks. That'd be good. That'd be good. We'll do that. Cool. All right, let's catch you then. Thanks, mate. Bye. Brought to you by www.mitmaster.com. So thanks as always to Matt for his time on that one. Another good chat there. Sorry about the slight technical difficulties. Um, but do you know, first time that's happened in over a year. So that's pretty impressive. Um, for some reason, the network in my studio, uh, I'm on a wired network from a, a wireless router without getting too technical. And for some reason, every now and again, it just decides to turn off. So apologies for that. It's probably a, a fault at my end. But anyway, we got there in the end. Um, so w- one thing that's been doing the rounds this last couple of weeks, which if you're involved in martial arts, or even if you're not, and if you're not and you listen to this, you're probably sat in somebody else's car with a martial artist. But the Bottle Top Challenge has been doing the rounds on social media. Now, I, along with a few of the friends, we were having a little bit of a poke at this, a bit of bit of taking the mick out of it. 
Unfortunately, some people, and it's all in how you read things, I guess, but some people took it to heart slightly. Now, I did actually post my own version of it, eventually. I was, you know, having had a little bit of a joke for a few days about, I'm not going to post any of this rubbish, and it was just... Look, I was checking the mic, guys, just in good fun. It is a bit weird. As Snoop Dogg, if anybody's seen... Obviously, I can't phrase it word for word, his wording that he uses, but he does actually refer to us as Goofy. <laughs> and it is kind of weird if you think about it. Just kicking all these bottles. Anyway, anyway, anyway. Um, there has been some... I don't know how you phrase it. There's been some great ones. I, I tried to do a modified version. I kicked a bottle top off a bottle top. So I did two spin hooks or reverse turning kicks, whatever you call it. First one took the top bottle lid off. Second one took the bottle lid off. It was an empty bottle and no was no water in it. But I had nobody to hold it, so... Inevitably, the, the bottle fell over, but that was all I was prepared to do. I wasn't going to spend five hours trying to get it right. Um, but there's been some slightly, shall we say, less than impressive one. One of the best unimpressive ones that I saw was two days ago. Uh, Justin Bieber, who I, I'm, I'm wanting to hope that this continuous... I don't know even how to describe it. Um, fascination with Tom Cruise... I'm hoping it's a joke. I'm hoping it's an inside joke between the pair of them and that he this isn't some sort of long-standing... Um, I don't even know how to describe it. Hatred, I don't know, that, that Justin Bieber has for Tom Cruise. Picking on a guy more than twice his age. I don't know what that's all about. Even though I think the overwhelming majority or uh, the overwhelming... Um, <coughs> excuse me. Um, idea is that Tom Cruise would hand Justin Bieber's backside to him. But anyway, I digress. Um, Justin Bieber, for those who haven't seen, posted his own version of uh, the Bottle Top Challenge, which was... Let's just put it this way. The slow motion doesn't do him any favours at all. It was to the point where I actually considered tweeting him a link to my online kicking um, training programme to help him with his kicks, because, my goodness... Is it shockingly bad? If you've not seen it, go look at him. In fact, I'll link it in the show notes. Justin Bieber's attempt at a 180 crescent knee flop. His arms are waggling around like a, an old tree in a gale force wind. It's it's cringeworthy, hilarious, awful, all in one go. But anyway, go check it out for a bit of a laugh. Um, but yeah, the bottle top challenge. Did you do it yourselves? I mean, I did it. Eventually, I gave in and did it, having taken the mick out of it for a while. But anyway, um, actually, this leads on nicely to my final thing. <laughs> um, I'm actually in the process of um, developing some new workshops. It was actually off the back of my workshop at Kaiser, where I covered some of the uh, content from my online training packages and um, got some really nice feedback from people. And what I've decided to do is to build on the, the the existing workshop. Now, with a lot of kicking workshops, you know, people come along. I've done this myself. You turn up, you maybe teach like a well, 180, a jump 360, a, maybe even an old school like butterfly kick or 540. But what I'm quickly starting to figure out is that people actually want to know how to improve their basics. Um, they want to know different conditioning drills or exercise tips. So what I'm in the process of doing at the minute is putting together what, at the minute, working... Work in progress title is um, a kick clinic. And, you know, I'm not going to go, I don't want to go and teach stylized kicking as such because all the different styles have their own merits. And I don't, you know, you don't want to be, you don't want to try and be a master of all because that's not going to work. But there are inherent 
different exercises and kicking processes that are there across the board and what I'm in the process of doing is developing a workshop to help people with their kicking um, whether it's a side kick whether it's a round or turning kick or hook kick or whatever kick it is exercises and drills that you can use to help you with that process and um, uh, simple things like overcoming spins reverse movements um, I've got some drills that I've developed that help adults with that not kids adults um, so if that's something that you're interested in, then do get in touch with me via the regular channels um, or my email address, uh, chrisjonestkd at gmail.com. I'll have a chat with you. At, at the minute, I'm limiting it to just sort of within the country. Um, although if the interest is there, then I would be up for discussing taking it further afield. Um, but yeah, that brings us to the end of this week's episode. Thanks again for your support. Any feedback, comments or questions, if you go to kickbackpodcast.com, um, you can get in touch with us there or indeed via our Facebook channel, and also, something I do forget to ask every single week, please guys, share the links. If you can share the links, as well as leaving us reviews, sharing the links on social media is a massive help for us. Um, anywhere we, any way we, we can increase the numbers of listenership, it helps us with attracting new sponsors. If indeed you are out there, you've got products that you're looking to sell to, your, to a martial arts-based target market, do get in touch. Um, we're always happy to, uh, to help out. Oh, and as well, before we finish, remember, do check out our show sponsors. So you've got uh, mitmaster.com, you've got uh, my kicking course, online training with the onlinekicking.co.uk, and then go check out the guys at Art Marshall. And if you buy anything, don't forget, use the promo code CJ19. Um, have a great end of your week, weekend, or whatever day it is where you are now, and I will speak to you all very soon. Cheers, guys. Enjoy our podcast. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review Kickback with Chris on iTunes today.